You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to We Are Libertarians Daily. I'm your host, Sarah Brady Wagner, and I'm here today again with Alex Haney. I'm back. He is. And today we are discussing another North Carolina-specific issue, and this time we are going to talk about voter ID. So in North Carolina, we just passed another constitutional amendment. We had about a half a dozen of them, exactly a half a dozen of them this year. And one of them was to require photographic ID in order to vote. Now, there's a bit of a backstory behind this that I want to make sure that all of our listeners have, because it's not just a case of that this is where it started with the voter, with the amendment. So where this started was with a previous law that was passed by our General Assembly to require photographic ID. And that um, law was actually knocked down by some by the federal courts for being unconstitutional. Um, there was a lot of focus around the justifications that were used um, and the information that was brought up when crafting that law and the main argument that was made against it and that was brought up by the judge who... Um, who overturned it was that it was targeted towards minority populations in the state um, in order to, and because of that, it violated the Voting Rights Act and the 14th Amendment. Um, and the, I believe the quote was that it was surgically targeted. And the reasoning behind that was that the General Assembly had asked for information on um, what different groups had different IDs. Uh, and then there was some extrapolation from that to where they got to the different forms of ID that in the initial bill they had accepted. So the initial bill um, actually... So the initial bill actually dates back to 2013. So we're to five years later, and we are still trying to get the specifics of this law worked out. And in order to create something that would stand up to constitutional muster, the General Assembly decided to put forth a constitutional amendment in our state constitution that requires it. The amendment itself was very broad, though, uh, which is one of those things that it kind of is a catch-22, but it's necessary when it comes to um, constitutions, is that constitutions, by by their purpose, are generally meant to be more of like an overarching statement of what they're... Not phrasing this well. State constitutions are more flexible and they're they're very a lot more so there are some state constitutions that give very very specific detailed um prescription for how the government is supposed to be laid out for what it does and how it carries out those laws north carolina's constitution though is i would almost say more like ideological in purpose so it's more similar to the federal constitution which people are more familiar with usually in which it um, establishes that these are powers that the state does have Um, These are powers that the state does not have, and in writing those, they have to be somewhat succinct. They can't be overly detailed, Um, and so in this case, when it comes to a voter ID, there's not a lot of information in there on, like, what forms of ID. It is literally just a amendment to add language to require a photographic ID as determined by the General Assembly. My personal favorite line in that, which was, which may or may not include exceptions. So we've gotten to now where the amendment has passed. 
uh, by uh, about a 55 to 45 margin. And now we have to talk about the nuts and bolts of how it's going to be instituted. But I wanted to talk with Haney first about why we would want to have voter ID in the first place. So in the idea is to prevent voter fraud. Um, but what, what does that mean? What is voter fraud and how big of a problem really is it? So voter fraud is just the, the idea of anybody voting under a, a false name. Any, anyone voting under a, a name that's not their own or someone that's not eligible to vote voting. Um, you know, you're all f- familiar with the famous uh, dead people vote Democrat. Uh, that would be voter fraud. Um, if I went and voted under your name, Sarah, that would be voter fraud. Um, just anything that is not you casting a singular ballot as a registered legal voter is voter fraud. And the reason, well, you already covered the reason, sorry. Uh, the, how much of an issue it is, is, is kind of unknown. You know, we uncover from time to time, small pockets of, uh, of conspiracies to commit voter fraud. We uncover, you know, somewhat like in, uh, in Florida in this past election, you know, a lot of suspicious circumstances, activity, things like that. But as far as how big of an issue it is, we don't really have a lot of data on it. Uh, in theory, it could be a very big issue or it could be a non-issue at all. The concern is genuine, but whether or not it's founded concern, we, we really don't know all that well. So is this something then that um, the, the idea would be voter ID would um, stop that? So it would at least prevent someone from just being able to walk up and give a different name for example yeah that's the idea uh whether or not it'll work well you know we've yet to see we're about to put it into practice so fingers crossed i guess well we can see how it's worked in other states north carolina is certainly not the first state to require photo id that's true um and different id laws take different forms in various different states so i know north dakota had um had a lot of attention this year to their voter id their voter id laws because their law requires that you have to have your name and an address. And that was an issue because they have a significant population of um, Native residents who live on reservations, and they don't have physical addresses. They're given a P.O. box when they register to vote. Um, they're still citizens and they're able to vote. But under this law, they had to then go and find take the extra step of making sure to secure valid ID with a physical address um, in order to be able to vote. And I, my understanding is they were, were actually really able to do that. Like the tribes um, had a concerted effort to make sure that everybody had proper uh, identification. But there's a lot of different ways that it can play out. In North Carolina, we're just requiring a picture. That actually brings up a, it's a little bit off topic, but it, it brings up a good argument for, uh, for federalism in that, maybe I'm saying it wrong, but what I'm getting at is, is higher states' rights and less yeah. uh, federal oversight because, you know, what's good for, like, obviously we don't have really a huge Native American population on reservations here in North Carolina, less in Florida. Uh, you, that run, you run into that in Oklahoma, Texas, places like that. So the point being, what's good for one state isn't always what's necessary for another. And allowing each state to do what they want to do under the confines of the Constitution is significantly better than imposing federal law across the board. Uh, you mentioned bringing up... That's just my little soapbox. Uh, you mentioned 
that North Carolina is considering just photo IDs without needing a, uh, an address, I think that's a positive. Well, that's that's the way that the constitutional amendment is written. Right. Um, we're, the legislature is right now looking at using uh, college IDs also, mm-hmm. um, trying to get a little bit more uniformity across college IDs, which I don't think would be the worst thing. Well, so I'm looking at the um, draft right now. The General Assembly has put out um, basically like a first pass at what they want to do. Uh, includes UNC system IDs. Okay. Um, but that would be the only um, IDs that would be accepted. And there's actually been some people who have taken, some Republicans in particular, who've taken uh, issue with that. Yeah, I actually, uh, I read an article recently from uh, the News Observer. And the the title, or the headline is, Amid Voter ID Debate, NC May Push for More Uniformity in College IDs. And what they get into is looking at not only UNC system schools, but also uh, community colleges, private schools, things like that. Uh, now, you obviously can't force a private institution to use a particular uh, photo ID. Um, but you could give them the option. Absolutely, yeah. And I, either way, I think it's a great idea to allow for college students because they're very. You know, I'm I'm recently out of college, um, or recently out of school, I should say. Uh, one of the guys that's sitting in the room here, Chris West, is recently out of school, going into another one, and we're very we're a transient populace. So having an, having a you know an address is kind of ridiculous, honestly, in those. But it is a photo ID, and it's a picture of you, your name, your student ID number, you know, all the different stuff that we'd use to identify a person. And as far as I'm concerned, I think it should absolutely be able to be used in lieu of a driver's license. So as far as the concern that um, that it's a form of voter disenfranchisement, that's one thing that's often brought up. Um, the North Carolina version uh, actually seems, I'm pretty happy with the wide variety of IDs that they are considering accepting, including um, having the having individual county board of elections issue photo IDs to anyone who does not have an otherwise allowable photo ID that would allow them to vote. But... This kind of brings up the question, especially when you go back to school IDs, of how much is this really helping to solve the problem? Because, I mean, how how recently were you a teenager? I remember photo IDs being pretty easy to fake. Yeah, um, I, I've worked in a, a bar more recently than I was a teenager. Um, yeah, I mean, some of the some of the voter IDs are, are really good, or not just voter IDs, but just IDs in general. Uh, some of them are fantastic. That said. They're not super easy to get a hold of. I still have a, and the newer ones are a lot harder to fake. I still have my Kentucky driver's license. And on the back of it, I don't know if this is true in, I assume it's true in North Carolina because it gets scanned here. Uh, you've got the, you know, the scan, the barcode. You know, how difficult would that be to install on a voter station? I, I can't imagine it'll be all that terribly tough. Um, that's a lot harder to fake. Uh, it's, you know, kind of like the, the dollar bills, the 20s, things like that. You get more complex as time goes on trying to stymie uh, voter fraud and or fraud of any sort. So I, I don't think that being able to fake an ID is going to be a huge issue. Um, and frankly, you know, you brought up the disenfranchisement issue. I think if I'm being patently honest, uh, I think it's just kind of absurd. Everything just about requires some form of id so if that is a uh, you know a discrimination tactic then so is age requirements on tobacco and alcohol on driving in general on getting into certain places you know we're not 
we're not saying you have to have a driver's license. We're saying you need some form of ID. And again, everything we do in our daily lives, you know, I pull out my ID probably four or five times a week. I don't know. This is always one of those arguments that I, I always find kind of weak only because I'm an incredibly forgetful person who loses my wallet at least once a year. Sure. Um, and there's actually not a whole ton just required, uh, I mean, just to live your day-to-day life that does require an ID. I mean, so I don't buy alcohol. There's lots of people who don't drink. Are you sure you're a libertarian? Yeah, I know. I'm a terrible libertarian sometimes. But this is this is what's what's come up on this is that you don't necessarily need an ID in order to just go about your day to day life. Um, you know, there are plenty of people who never travel outside the United States. There are plenty of people who never travel outside of their state. There are plenty of people who don't drive. I mean, that's what public transportation is for. So um, the idea that there are, there's nobody who could reasonably not have an ID always strikes me as um, kind of like just because you don't know those people. Well, no, I'm not saying that it wouldn't affect anybody. Uh, I'm saying that the concern is vastly overblown. I would agree with that, which, I, as I said before, I, I appreciate the um, inclusion of the option to have um, boards of election issue mm-hmm. IDs, um, because that, that kind of helps with that issue. Yeah, I mean, they're tied together, obviously. If you're worried about voter disenfranchisement, if the voter board is handing out IDs, well, problem solved. Right. So um, I kind of want to loop back a little bit to the question of how big of an issue it is. So this is one thing that we did a bit of research into, um, and it actually kind of changed my mind a bit on the issue because as we can always use the argument that we don't know how big of a problem it is because that's absolutely true. If fraud is successfully um, committed, then you don't know about it. That's kind of the whole point. Right. The best bank robbers aren't, are unknown. Right. Um, but so the best study that we have, an often cited study that actually comes up for, um, voter, for voter ID is that, uh, in, there was in 24, it's a 2014 study that came out talking about, uh, how an estimated that 2.2% of non-citizens managed to vote. Um, but explicitly within the study, it states that they were not stopped by voter ID laws. Um, interestingly enough, there, the numbers in Virginia were the highest, uh, and that's one of the states that has uh, requires a photo ID. So I guess it, the the main weak point that we had identified was that this only actually covers one form of voter fraud, which is voter impersonation. Right. Um, and the biggest weak point in that system really becomes absentee ballots because there's there's no way. I mean, the function of absentee ballots is generally you just have to have two other people who will sign saying that you are you. Um, Which having, is, I can't imagine it's terribly difficult to do. Yeah, I mean, I would think it'd be a lot easier to convince two people to lie for you in the safety of your own home than to convince somebody to go out and ostensibly commit the same crime, but to do so in front of an entire you know precinct of voters. Oh yeah, I there's a uh, an interesting uh, thing in law where if you're on the stand, people are a lot less likely to perjure themselves than they are to murder. You know, it, there's something more personal about that being in front of the judge, being in front of the the court, all that, and telling a lie. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Total paradox. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, I, I think this, there's not really a satisfactory answer in my mind uh, to really merge these two sides of the argument. I, I think that the real problem is a deeper issue of... Uh, democracy 
I think, you know, just the idea, I wouldn't care at all about people voting if it didn't affect me, you know, down the road. Now, who votes in a presidential election, who the president is pretty rarely affects a person on a day-to-day basis. Uh, You know, things just really aren't that much different on an individual level. However, on more local elections, things like that, and even at the at the federal level, it does affect in some way, shape, or form. And as much as I hate the idea of someone else having the right to vote on my rights, I hate even more the idea of someone who's not legally allowed to vote on my rights voting on my rights. You know, it's like the eighth and ninth levels of hell. They're both they both suck, but one's a little worse than the other. Um shout out to my English professor. Uh, so yeah, I, I really, you know, I know it's a little off topic and we're getting into a much bigger issue, but I think that is really the core problem more than disenfranchisement is more than fraud is. Well, so to the issue of disenfranchisement, that's, that's often the, the kind of surface of that argument that people get, which is, oh, well, it's going to you know hurt people who don't already have IDs. But when you look at the way that it's in that, um, laws are done, Georgia, for example, was really interesting to watch this past election because they have a voter ID law that uh, requires an exact match, um, which is one of those where it's it's a higher bar that once you kind of introduce this requirement, you are then trusting your legislators to institute it in a reasonable way. What do you mean by an exact match? Uh, so that's what I was explaining. In Georgia, they are uh, they required that the way that you are registered to vote has to be exactly the same, like letter for letter, character for character, as all of your other documentation that you have with the government. Is that what brought up this issue in the elections down there? Oh, yes. Okay. Well, well, I, well it was a two-party issue. There was also the problem that um, one of the two candidates running for governor was also the Secretary of State, who ah. was responsible for um, enforcing and uh, enforcing those laws in charge of going through the voter rolls and in, was in charge of um, certifying the results of his own election. See, now that's kind of what I was talking about earlier with like, you know, not a huge amount of evidence of exact voter fraud, but, uh, you know, the, no fire, no smoke, but a tinderbox mm-hmm. next to a barrel fire. <laughs> yeah. Well, so in this case, there were a lot of people who were removed from the voter rolls for that reason, um, who were registered, but were taken off and made so that they couldn't vote then. Um, and my understanding of the news coverage on it was that they were disproportionately um, minority voters or voters that you might assume would lean more towards the Democratic candidate. Um, but the the point there being that, like, I mean, I'm married. I've already said that before. And that means that I've changed my last name. Um, it was my choice. But that means that in some do- some documentation, my name is different. And it's for a really simple, really common reason. But um, women were also disproportionately impacted by that law. So, mm, you know, one of the one of the concerns about it is very simply that voter ID laws give the government more power. Um, the North Carolina amendment directly gives the the General Assembly uh, power to determine which IDs they will and will not allow. Uh, the exact quote is photo identification for voting in person. Voters offering to vote in person shall present photographic identification before voting. The General Assembly shall enact general laws governing the requirements of such photographic identification, which may include exceptions. So, and this passed in the most recent election, November 7th. Uh, So that tells me that then the next election that people would actually take the time to vote in, they've got two years to get this figured out. 
Well, we've got the time after they tell us what it is. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> but we know that there's going to be some kind of voter ID requirement. So, two years. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like we put this in the day before an election. And you know, just from a, a personal standpoint, I really don't have a, a, a strong feeling one way or the other on voter ID. Because, again, I don't know if it's worth doing. I don't know if it actually stops anything. But this really comes back to my previous argument of I, I really just detest the idea of someone who's not supposed to be voting, mm-hmm. voting on what I'm allowed to do and how I'm allowed to live. Um, even more than I do, people are allowed to vote in that. But and I you know, hope I, I can provide some balance to the conversation by having, as someone who has lost and regained my voting rights, yeah. I am just as disgusted by the idea of preventing someone who wants to and should be able to vote yeah, from totally. doing so. Yeah, 100%. I'm, I'm all for reinstating voter rights for, uh, for felons, all that stuff. <laughs> you know, I, I think it's ridiculous that if you get caught like with a nonviolent offense, you're no longer allowed to vote. That's crazy. Um, so I... What it really comes down to for me is which argument on which side is the most convincing. And I just haven't heard one that really is all that convincing for me on the anti-ID side. I would agree with that. I don't know. In in my viewing of this, I try to, um, I always try to actually separate it from the arguments because both sides are always going to provide a good argument for whatever their intended outcome is. Um, But I want to look more at what are the uh, effects? What do we, what do we know about the way that this will play out based on the way it has played out in other places. Well, I mean, as and far as in, that goes also. You're not, past, not just the platitudes. Yeah. In the past, governments have abused this exact same type of power to repress people. Uh, even Government if abusing favor, power? Yeah. Even if you're no. in favor of voter ID, this, the, this form of the amendment gives the General Assembly no restraint. It, it says, yes, please give us something. Um, there's nothing to stop them from, <laughs> from making a Costco ID card the only ID they'll take. Or... One concern that I had um, discussed was actually real ID cards, uh, which is a actually a federal um, program of a supposedly a more secure ID that requires additional forms of documentation, um, takes longer to get. I don't have one myself because I didn't have all of the necessary paperwork when I went to the DMV. <laughs> I've been trying to get a driver's license in North Carolina since I moved here, and it is... I mean, the paperwork in North Carolina is atrocious to begin with. I can only imagine the real ID paperwork. Like, what is it? Your your name, proof of residence. Yeah, you have to sign c- over your firstborn. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, let's let's talk. Take it in a little bit more of a positive uh, angle then, and discuss better, more libertarian alternatives to reducing voter fraud. Um, because, as always, the Republicans and Democrats are both to blame. That is typically the truth, yeah. Republicans commonly push for government growing useless ID laws, and that's because the Democrats routinely shut down alternatives that would stop other types of fraud um, that are more commonly utilized based on the research that we have. We were discussing um, absentee ballots are much more vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I think it's, you know, again, like you said, both sides are completely wrong. And the reason for that is I think uh, people tend to think that illegal voting would happen more for the Democrat side, and then Republicans overreact to that and try to stop legitimate forms of voting also. Right. Um, Whether that's true or not, and I'm not making an argument for whether it is or not, but whether it's true or not, that is the, uh, the perception. And as we know, in politics and just in life, perception trumps facts. True. So... 
Yeah, what what ideas do you have? Because I'm drawing a blank. Well, um, some of the ones that I have just listed, um, actually, some of them I feel very uncomfortable with and would love to hear, you know, kind of your position on. So biometrics in general are something that are often brought Absolutely up. Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. I so don't even use the... No. <laughs> I don't even use the, uh, the thumbprint on my phone. I'm not putting that out there. My issue with them is um, I, they're... It's... I have used the thumbprint on my phone, and granted, they're not necessarily the most accurate or highest technology of fingerprint readers, but I know that I have to retrain it every couple of months because it, like, forgets, or maybe my fingerprint has slightly changed enough that it doesn't, you know, accept it, or, you know, I had a cut when I took it, and now that cut is healed. Yeah, things like that definitely change, which isn't something I'd even considered because I just went full-blown tinfoil <laughs> hat. Yeah. Uh I just, I Do you really. you want fascism? Because that's how you get fascism. That's exactly how you get it. <laughs> I, you know, I love the show Black Mirror. Don't want to live there. Yeah, that's that's accurate. Um, um, so yeah, that that's that's absurdly concerning. And I know for a fact that a vast majority of the people listening to this, when you said that, just started screaming. <laughs> so well, what's next? So um, others, other options actually lean more towards technology, um, which provides its own vulnerabilities. So online voting or um, a, a great libertarian option would be blockchain voting. Um, have you ever, are you familiar with that at all? Uh, yeah, I, I totally know what you're talking about. But just for the audience, <laughs> why don't you uh, explain so, that in great detail? So blockchain as an overarching concept is uh, basically it's a, a, a ledger that is distributed across um, all of the user's computers who are using it. So... You vote and then somebody else who is not with the government but is another voter, they are able to anonymously uh, verify your vote. And the ledger itself and the verifications, while they are anonymous, they go, they are, uh, it's public, if that makes any sense at all. I don't know, I am not the greatest at explaining blockchain and I am sure that I will now have to have somebody who is on to discuss this. <laughs> Specifically. <laughs> yes, I'm sure we will get lots and lots of comments here. Yeah, anybody that does know kind of better about this particular issue, please comment. But it comment. works um, similarly to, I mean, if you're familiar with Bitcoin and other um, cryptocurrencies, yeah. that it removes the federal government from the equation by um, distributing the ledger portion of that. You know, the, the record keeping, confirming that, you know, person A paid in and then that money gets paid out to person B that portion is done by essentially by technology rather than being done by um, a bureaucratic agency. Okay. Uh, and in theory, the same thing could be applied to voting. And there are actually a couple of um, examples of blockchain voting systems uh, available. Yeah, I, I definitely like that proposal more. Uh, like you said, it does open its own vulnerabilities, such as hacking, things like that. Right. Um, by the way, this is a good Which time is not to... something that our current systems are actually at all really resilient too much but that's true um good time to plug the fact that there's zero evidence whatsoever that any votes were changed in the 2016 election yes. so uh have fun with that democrats um i i hate you both i just hate the dems more hmm. um I'm, I'm i'm pretty equal <laughs> that's fair <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, no, I, I think that's a much better alternative to certainly the biometric. Um, that would be an interesting one to look more into. And, and like I said, uh, and Sarah, I'm sure you echo this. Anybody that really knows what they're talking about, please feel free to chime in. Yes, please. I'd love to get a better grip on that particular issue because I, I really don't have a way to argue against it at the moment. Well, then we will definitely have to have somebody on who understands blockchain better and Perfect. can explain it in excruciating detail. Let's see if we can get Peter Schiff on here. 
Uh, he's a market wizard who missed out on the on the Bitcoin <laughs> issue, but he knows blockchain. All right. He also lives in uh, Puerto Rico and and probably wouldn't, but you know. <laughs> so um, we discussed. A boy can dream. We've discussed a lot of um, really specifics in this in this discussion. Um, so we do have a lot of good links and to reference and citations and wonderful legislation language that we will include in the show notes. Lots of fun stuff. So uh, be sure to like and subscribe, and hopefully you've enjoyed this episode, and we'll come back soon to hear about more. Uh, very quickly, just a just a quick plea to all you libertarians out there: please vote. Listen, I hate the institution of voting on a you know a system where it's coercive, where you don't have the option to opt out of things. But we're in it, you know, we live in it. So whoever wins, we are affected by it. So please, I understand. But put the principles aside for a day and try to get more liberty-leaning people in office so that we can start to actually take steps toward, you know, the, a kind of society that we would like to see. A more free and open lifetime. society. So, yeah, freedom in our lifetime. That's exactly right. And sitting at home complaining on the internet doesn't quite do that. Do that. Continue doing that. But also, just send in the ballot. Well, I think that's a great way to end the show. Sarah, thanks for having me again. Uh, looking forward to next time. And uh, I, I don't really have a catchy sign-off yet. All right.